Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. I mean, they did a great job with that reading, right? But it's not an easy reading. I tell you, I call this the doo-doo passage. And uh, because the word do shows up 23 times in seven verses. Obviously, the Apostle Paul is trying to paint a picture for us in kind of a poetic way. He wants us to walk away from this passage confused. He wants us to read it and go, what did I just read? That, that, wait a minute. And we have to read it again. We get this sense of this struggle, right? And this sense of confusion that exists in the passage. And I think it's a masterful passage. I also think it's a very practical passage. Because in reality, the doo-doo passage is where we live the Christian life. Amen? This is where we live our Christian life. Today we're going to talk about the war that rages within us. We're also going to look forward to the victory that we have through Christ Jesus. Let's begin by talking about the raging war. That begins in Romans chapter 7 verses 18 and 19. It says, for I have the desire to do what is good but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Isn't that what our life is like sometimes? Remember a few weeks ago, back in Romans chapter 3, we talked about three very important terms that define our salvation in Jesus Christ. The first one of those terms was justification. What does justification mean? It's that time when God declares from his courtroom in heaven that you are justified, that you are righteous, and the righteousness of Jesus has been imputed to us. Wonderful, wonderful picture of our salvation. And then he goes on to talk about our redemption in Jesus. And we we talked about how the slavery of sin has been removed as Jesus Christ paid the price for our sin. That's our redemption. And we are now free because of Jesus Christ. And we talked about atonement. And we talked about how Jesus is the propitiatory sacrifice. How he dies uh, on the cross like the lamb that died on the altar on the day of atonement. And how the wrath of God had been pointed toward us because of our sin. And that wrath of God has been turned away. And it's pointed at Jesus. These are the pictures that we are given in the book of Romans about our new spirituality. These wonderful truths of who we are as a believer in Jesus Christ. But if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that it's not all that neat and clean. Remember the cartoons back in the day when we would have an angel and a demon sitting on your shoulders? 
Gotta love Homer Simpson, right? You can just imagine him looking at a donut and this angel on his shoulder says, Homer, don't eat the donut. And he knows in his mind that he shouldn't eat the donut, but he's got that desire and that rumbly tumbly in his belly, right? That says, like the devil, eat the donut, Homer, just eat the donut. You know you really want it. We laugh at these things, right? We laugh because it's true, right? We know that this is true. This is the way life is for us. Paul says in verse 22, in my inner being, I delight in the laws of God. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. God has taken my dark soul, what was deep inside of me that was dead in trespasses and sins, and he's made it alive. He's turned the light on for me. As a matter of fact, I have this picture, and if this represents, this represents what God has done inside of me. It's a beautiful artwork. And that's what God has done. Sorry. That's what God has done in me is he has begun to paint something beautiful. Sorry. That was on something that was dead and lifeless. But what happens in our Christian life? There is another law at work. It's the law of the rolled up poster right? You remember the law of the rolled up poster. We all used to have these hanging in our bedrooms, right? Maybe not this particular one, but we would buy these and inevitably what would happen? They roll back up again. They go back to their original state, to their original form. And that's what happens with us with sin. There's a sin nature within us that is twisted, that continues to roll back up into its original form. And even though I want to show the glory of what God is doing within me, there is something else at work in me that keeps rolling me back up, that's attracted to the sinfulness of the world, that is bent towards selfishness. Amen? And exactly when I want to show everybody how what Christ has done inside of me, I end up doing what I don't want to do. And I roll back up into the same thing I always was. And no one can see the truth of the change that has actually happened in my inner being. This is the struggle that's being described here in Romans chapter 7. It's difficult, it's terrible. The Apostle Paul goes on to say in in verse 23, he says, these two natures are raging, are raging war within us. He says, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And so there's this war between the human nature, the sinful nature that I've always had inside of me that somehow is still active and influential in my life. And then the new nature that God has birthed in me and that he's working out in me through the wonderful truths of salvation. Those two things are in me and they are at war with one another. The apostle says that this is making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me prisoner 
How can that be? Because the scripture says that we have been redeemed. That means we were once slaves and that slavery has been taken away and now we're free in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? But yet Paul says, I'm a prisoner. How can I be free and a prisoner? Theologians hate this passage. They hate this passage. They've been arguing about it literally for centuries. For centuries, some say, well, Paul is talking about his state before he was a believer, while he was a Jew trying to keep the law. But that doesn't really seem to fit for a number of reasons. Number one, the whole thing is couched in the present tense, not in the past. And it also shows up in Romans chapter 7, not Romans chapter 3. That's talking about the bad news. This is already after Paul in his argument is talking about the life of the believer. It's messy. And theologians don't like messy. We don't like messy, but yet we live in a mess, don't we? We've all experienced this in our lives. This is where we live. This tension, this struggle, this internal war that happens in our lives between what we want to do, what we know is true in our minds and in our rational life, but yet there's this desire in us and this bent towards selfishness that keeps drawing us back and twisting us away from God. It's a contradiction. We don't like contradictions. But man, that's where we live. That's our reality. The Apostle Paul goes on in verse 24, and he expresses his frustration. And he calls himself a wretched man. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What a wretched man I am. I am a spiritual loser. That's who I am. I'm a loser. I have attempted to follow God, but I keep reverting to my old rolled-up state. And as a result, he expresses his frustration. He says, he says, I'm a wretched man. It reminds me of the words of Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When I grew up in the church, I always thought he was saying, a wrench like me. And I could never figure out how I was anything like a wrench. That's the problem with growing up in the church. We get some weird things in our minds, and it takes a while to work them out. But we are wretched, and we understand from this song, we were a wretch before Christ saved us, and then by his amazing grace, he saved us. Amen? But the Apostle Paul says, what a wretched man I still am! I still am wretched. And that is frustrating. It's frustrating. There are times in our lives when all we can see is the dark side of our nature. Isn't that true? Aren't there times in your life after you've blown it for the 1500th time in the same area that you go, oh my gosh, Lord, is there anything Is there any good in me? And we understand and we identify with this cry of frustration of the Apostle Paul. 
I think it's also true as we grow in our faith and as our eyes become more open to the goodness and the holiness of God and we begin to, begin to understand God more completely, right? And we begin to see Jesus and we begin to know him more clearly and he becomes our model for life. What happens? We start comparing ourselves to Jesus and we realize what? Oh my gosh, do I have a long way to go? I'm a wretched man. I'm a loser. Jesus is perfect. And instead of just thinking about the actions of sin that I always commit, then I begin to think about my attitudes. I realize that they're far from Jesus' attitude. And then I begin to think about my thought life and how far that is from Jesus and how sinful that is as well. And all of these things just cause me to think more and more about my own wretchedness and my own brokenness. He says, who shall rescue me from this body of death, this body that is subject to death? And I think Paul is painting a picture for us here. And I think what, he's, what he wants us to see is that I'm alive in Christ and I'm free in Christ, but there's, I'm dragging around a dead corpse. It's my old self. It's my old nature. And it's like it's chained to me and I'm dragging it around. It doesn't have the power that it used to have, right? Because it's dead, but it stinks, Right? It's like I'm dragging around this dead body and it's weighing me down. And every time I look at it, I remember who I used to be and not who I am and who Jesus is making me as I move forward in the future. Amen? This is what Paul wants us to understand about this human nature, this sinful nature that we're still carrying with us, that somehow is still influencing our lives as believers. And it's a drag. Literally, it's a drag on our lives. Then the guilt and the self-condemnation starts. You know, I'm supposed to be like Jesus. I desire to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. For the first time in my life, I really want to be good, right? God has changed that in me, but yet I still find myself incapable of being good. I still keep making mistakes that I always made before. This dead body keeps dragging me backwards. There's a voice in my head that starts to speak. Do you ever get that voice in your head that starts to speak to you? You'll never be like Christ. You'll never be like Jesus. You're a loser. You'll never be like Jesus. You're a disappointment to God. God is disappointed in you. Every time he looks at you, he just shakes his head. Oh man, you're a mess. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever think that this is the truth about who you are? Yes or no? Yes, I know it's true for me. It's true for me. This is the way we feel. And I think it's a propaganda war. You know, we've talked a lot about propaganda wars in uh, this present time with the Ukrainian crisis. The Russians are putting out their propaganda and the Ukrainians are putting out their propaganda, trying to influence the world to frame the conversation in order to 
what they want, right? And I believe that Satan is a defeated enemy. He no longer has power over us, but he's still got his propaganda machine. And he still uses that effectively against us. He speaks into our ear. He whispers at night to us. And he says, you're a loser. You stink. You're still dead. You haven't changed one bit. You don't look like Jesus and you never will. All of this keeps going on in our mind and it becomes a discouragement and we condemn ourselves because of these words that we hear. Thank God our passage doesn't end in verse 24. It goes on in verse 25. And in verse 25, the Apostle Paul breaks out in praise. He says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God who delivers me from Christ Je- through Christ Jesus our Lord. What does this tell us here? The Apostle Paul says there's a way out. There is a rescue that is happening. And it's through Jesus. It's not through what we have done. It's through what he has done. Paul doesn't reveal the answer yet. That comes in chapter 8. And next week, Caitlin Adams is going to talk about chapter 8. You don't want to miss the solution to this problem that we're living in right now. So come next week. She's going to give you the good news. I got to give you the bad news. But there are two parts of us, aren't there? There are two parts of who we are. There's the rational side, Paul says. In my mind, in my rational side, I am a slave to God's law. But then in my sinful nature, I am a slave to the law of sin. So in my mind, internally, I know that I am something beautiful. I am something different than I have ever been. But in my physical flesh, there is another law at work. The law of the rolled up poster is still actively involved in my life. And it's obscuring what God has done in me. All of this is still at work. It's a dichotomy. But this dichotomy won't last. This split personality that we have will be resolved. There is hope. That's what Paul wants us to see. Thanks be to God, there is deliverance. There is hope. Don't despair. Amen? Say it. There is hope. There is hope for me yet. Say that. There is hope for me yet. God is at work in my life and there is hope because Jesus is bringing deliverance into my life. That deliverance Again, it's going to come in chapter 8, and I'm going to just steal just a little bit from Caitlin. She's got so much in chapter 8 to talk about. I'm just going to take like half a sentence. Chapter 8, verse 1 begins this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Say it. No condemnation. There is no condemnation for us. Let go of your guilt. 
Let go of the guilt that you have in your life. Grace, the grace of God, has covered your guilt. It's taken it away. He's covered your sin. You know, when you came to know Jesus, the sins that you committed in the past were all forgiven. But you know what? The sins that you committed today on your way to church when you ran that red light, when you, when you yelled at the kids and kicked the cat, that's been forgiven too. And the sin that you're going to commit tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and at the end of your life, all of those sins have been forgiven. Amen? That's what the grace of God does. It has completely removed our sin. It has covered it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. That is amazing. Why is this true? Well, last week we talked about a gift, that God wants to give us a gift, and you have received that gift, and that gift is eternal life, amen? And what is a gift? A gift is something that you didn't work for, that you didn't earn, and that you don't deserve. Am I right? And so if you didn't work for it, earn it, or deserve it, when you receive that gift, then you can't do anything, even through sinning, that is going to take that gift away from you. Because you didn't earn it in the first place. Does that make sense? And so nothing that we can do will remove the gift that God has already given to us. So there is freedom. There is freedom from the guilt. If that is true, and it is. You need to talk to your mind. You need to speak to your mind. And you need to speak to the enemy who's whispering in your ear. And you need to speak to those other people, those Pharisee people that stick their bony fingers out at you and say, you're not really a Christian. You act like everybody else. And you need to tell them to back off because your sin has been covered by God's grace and you are free of condemnation. And that grace has given you the freedom to grow in holiness. So we are free to grow one obedience at a time in the holiness and the grace of God. There is a beautiful picture in the Bible in John chapter 8 that Jesus paints for us. It's the woman caught in the act of adultery. And the story goes like this. There's this woman who was caught in adultery with another man, they drag the woman before Jesus, all this group of Pharisees and religious leaders, and they throw her down in the dirt before Jesus. And they explain the situation to him. And they say, what is your judgment on her? The Bible says he kneels down and writes in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, but it wasn't good. He writing in the sand and he said, whoever's without sin cast the first stone people kind of melted away and dropped their rocks. What Jesus says to the woman is important. He said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She finally speaks. She says, no one, sir. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. 
This is the grace of God in the struggle of life. Condemnation has been taken away. We are free from that. And as we stumble and as we struggle through life, war is messy. It's ugly. It's difficult. But we are growing toward holiness. And God has given us that grace to grow toward holiness. And we're not there yet, but we're getting closer as we move forward in our Christian lives. We can do it without the fear of condemnation. We can rest in the Lord because neither will he condemn us. This is the truth of Romans chapter 7. This is what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand about the grace of God. Is there a way to gain victory in this war? Yes. And as we move on in the scripture, we're going to see what that looks like. But all of us can identify with this battle. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the contradiction of this life, as we struggle with our sin nature, this tendency to twist back up into the same configuration we've always been and make the same mistakes and go back to what is familiar. But yet we know that you've changed us inside. You've painted a new picture on our souls that we want to display to the world. Lord God, receive us. Give us your grace. Help us to see that we are not condemned. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.